Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. share some things with you today. We're going to talk about Highway Vision, the vision for Highway Church. And we're going to do that in three parts today. We're going to get through all of it, and then we may continue with some other things next week. But we're going to talk about the Highway Vision, first of all, then Highway Commitment, then Highway Expansion. Okay? Highway Vision, Highway Commitment, Highway Expansion. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your plan and purpose for each of us individually and in our families, Lord God, and in the body of Christ. We thank you for your plan for the body of Christ in, the, in New England and in the United States. We thank you, Lord God, we know we're in the last days, and boy, do we look forward to Jesus coming and being raptured and taken up with you. But we realize there are some things that you desire. There are some people that need to hear and see you through us. So, Lord, we are, we are going to do our part. We give you our whole selves. We're living for you and you alone. We're not going to get caught up in the culture of the world. We're getting caught up in the culture of your presence. So our future plans are spelled with five letters, J-E-S-U-S. And we thank you, Father, for your will done in our lives and done in this church just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Highway vision. Let's talk about this place. We're in our seventh year. Of course, the last year plus some months have been very interesting. Um, But everything we're doing here at Highway begins and ends with Jesus. If you'll go to our website on the homepage, you'll see an invitation that says, get on the highway. That's at highwaychurch.us. It says, get on the highway. A highway is a structure that enables us to go from where we are to where we want to be. In life, Jesus is that highway. That's right at the top of our homepage. And if you just look right below that, you'll see our purpose. And our purpose, very simply, right from the website, says we exist to help people enjoy a real relationship with the real Jesus. And you'll notice real is in all capital letters because there are some... Uh, concepts of Jesus out there that are not true to who he is. So we exist to help people enjoy a real relationship, a daily relationship, uh, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday relationship with the real Jesus, the same Jesus that is written about and recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Genesis and Malachi and Revelation and all throughout the scriptures. This is a place where people are growing in the reality of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. That's the whole, that's that's what we're we're, uh, renting this building for. That's what we bought all this stuff for, to provide a place where people can grow in the reality of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. 
I, I wish I could say you could get that at any church you go to, but you can't. Far too often what you get are man's religious philosophies and traditions that put you sometimes in a much worse bondage than you were before you came to Christ. So some people trade the bondage they were in prior to Christ, the bondage of sin, to a bondage of religion, religious tradition and legalism. So we're endeavoring, and we are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. My wife and I will be happy to testify to that. But we are, when, when the Lord put it on our heart to start this new work, uh, we, were, he, we were impressed to keep it simple, to keep it simple, and to focus on three things. Who Jesus is, he's the will of God in the flesh, what he's done for us, that's the finished work of Christ, it's already done, and who we are in him. And those are the three pillars of the relationship that we proclaim here at Highway. We don't want to add anything to that. We don't want to take anything away from that. And I think you'll find if you'll study those three areas, they encompass the full spectrum of life because your whole future is wrapped up in these three truths, who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. So it is very comprehensive, yet it's very simple. What is our vision? So if you'll click on the About Us page of our website of highwaychurch.us, you'll see our vision it says, we see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God and moving forward in his destiny for their lives. And there are three words that are highlighted there, growing, experiencing, and moving. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of God. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of God as 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 exhort us grace and peace be multiplied to you which means they can increase greatly right through the knowledge of God right the true knowledge of God so we're growing in the grace and knowledge of God we're experiencing God in our daily lives that's what eternal life is John 17 3 this is now this is eternal life that they might know you, experience you as a husband experiences his wife. When you get married, you live with someone every day. I couldn't wait to wake up next to Jennifer. I thought, man, that's going to be awesome. It's much, it's much more awesome than I could have imagined. But that's, that's eternal life where you're waking up with Jesus. You're going, you're going to sleep. You're laying your head on your pillow and his spirit's flowing through you. Hallelujah. You're going through the night as you're resting and your spirit's communing with Jesus. I love that. It was happening last night. Just laying in bed communing with the Holy Ghost. In my bed, got my covers on, AC's blowing. I'm just me and the Holy Ghost. Love it. My jammies on. So we're experiencing God in our everyday lives, and we're moving forward. We don't go backwards. We move forward. Backwards not an option. Past is not an option. It's behind us. You can't go back anyway. Might as well not even try. We're moving forward in his destiny for our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Hallelujah. So in this vision of growing in the grace and knowledge of God, experiencing God in our daily lives, moving forward in his destiny for our lives, 
there are really three parts to it. It's very simple. We have our worship services, we have our small groups, and we have our helps ministry, okay? Now, we started Highway officially. Our first public service was February 2nd of 2014, and we rented a Regal Cinemas. I believe Regal Cinemas is no more. I think they actually the corporation is closed, if I understand that right. And they closed right after all the uh, COVID drama. But we started there, and at that point in time, Regals had a church division of their corporation. And there were over 100 churches meeting in Regal Cinemas. Very interesting. Uh, so we started there in February of 2014, and we were there about a year and nine months. And then in November 8th of 2015, we moved to uh, the South Village Plaza in Rainham to a function hall called Occasions, which is no longer there anymore. So uh, right after we got there, uh, a karate studio moved in. It became a karate studio. So we were worshiping in a dojo for a while, which is pretty cool. We would come to church and we would bow. It was good. We all had our geese on. and Now, it was great. It was fun. And we were there actually about two years, almost uh, two years, it was about two years and 11 months. And then in October of 2018, we came here to this warehouse. And that following February of 2019, we celebrated our fifth anniversary. And then right after we celebrated our sixth anniversary last year in February of 2020, uh, the strategy of the enemy became manifest in America. Uh, and uh, I think it may have been in February, somewhere in there, early March, where um, a lot of the public policies started coming out and, and uh, restrictions and so forth. And I made a statement on our social media, and I said, we will flourish during this time. Don't be afraid. And it was the best year of the church uh, in the midst of that. Now, uh, so basically... It wasn't until last month that Massachusetts began lifting its restrictions for public gatherings and so forth. Um, but I don't know if it'll stay that way. Uh, I never imagined that American people would submit to such uh, deception, such foolishness that is not based in medical science. It's a political agenda. But they did, <laughs> and they, most, many did, not all of them, but we just kept going, doing what we were doing, convinced that we were going to go forward. Um, and I want to tell you, during that time, in the last, oh, 16 months, thousands, thousands of churches have closed due to the restrictions and policies. Thousands in America. I was listening to Brother Andrew Womack talk, and I remember the accounting firm that they deal with is huge, and church accounting is kind of a field all its own. And I don't know if I'm remembering this right, something like 33,000 churches that they deal with uh, closed. I, I could be wrong on the number. It was, it was many thousands. Um, but I want to tell you, Walking with the Holy Spirit is a skill that you develop. And to navigate through this last 16th month as a spiritual leader was not easy. You've got to hear from God. 
And I won't go into all the details of the policies and pressures and, and things that we dealt with. But I praise God for uh, this highway family, for your faithfulness through all of that in, in making it the best year so far of this church. I believe 2021 will be better yet. And for my family, who we, we came and we did everything we could do to make sure there was uh, services and Bible studies going on all year long, every week. We did a lot of filming and, produ and pr production and producing things to get the word out there and to keep things going as, as consistently as possible. And it was a lot of work, and it was very challenging. And I remember when this all began, talking with our pastors, uh, Pastors Jonathan and Verna Del Turco, who are at uh, International Family Church in North Reading, Massachusetts. And this was a couple months into it, and he, he, we were laughing. He said, I don't understand it. And, and he, he was saying we're both <laughs> that you know, no, one's, uh, no one's permitted to come to our churches, and we're twice as busy as we were when everyone was coming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It was a very demanding time. And uh, again, I'm not sure what's coming next, but I know we're going to keep moving forward. So thousands of churches closed during this time, but I want you to know uh, in the church world, just you could look at it as a business, uh, naturally speaking, um, but there are indicators of a healthy church. So if you'll, uh, which I've gone to for the last 20 some years and studied church organization and vision implementation, all those things, but the primary three factors that they look at for a healthy church are all related to each other. One is your Sunday morning attendance then related to that, the contributions that you receive, then related to that, the number of people who are attending that actually serve in your church. So it's all relative to those three things, and we are, we are very healthy, very, very healthy. So I want you to know that Highway Church is doing well, and we are moving forward. Okay, that's the vision. I want to get into a highway commitment, because if, if you don't uh, get what I'm about to say, you're not going to ever understand me, Okay. Now, you realize that most of the body of Christ is hoping to get to heaven, and that's why they come to church. They, they figure the more times they come and the more cards they punch, their chances are better of getting to heaven. I'm just being real with you. Most don't understand what we preach here because they, they haven't heard it. Okay, church is not about going to heaven. It's about people who are full of the Holy Spirit and doing the things Jesus did. That's what the church is. It's not an institution. It's people filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? So let's talk about highway commitment. You've got to know this about me, and I know you do already, but uh, we're going to go through it. It became apparent to me when I was 15, well, long before that, when I was a little boy, that the life I was living was a mess. I, I didn't want to be in my house. It was full of pain. Uh, I didn't like getting thrown across the room. I didn't like all the things I saw going on in my house. And as I got older into my teen years, I was ready to split. And I was, had plans of, of leaving and heading out uh, to the West Coast and getting involved in the entertainment industry as a teenager. But then a friend of mine who I was going to head to the West Coast with made a statement to me, and I was about 17 at the time, and he said something about knowing Jesus. And it hit my heart, and I thought, can, you, can I do that? <laughs> Is that possible? 
can I know God personally? And the thought of that just made my heart go. <laughs> and I didn't know any scriptures, but just the thought of that it's okay. <laughs> that I could personally talk to God and have a relationship with him went off. It was the Holy Spirit moving in my life. I remember we were standing, it was nighttime, I don't know, probably like midnight, and I had a, uh, right standing on our road, and it was a long driveway back to our house, and I just stood there in the dark. And so I started taking walks, talking to God. I said, God, I want to know you. <laughs> Who are you? And I'd walk for hours and days and weeks and months just talking to him. Didn't know the Bible, unfortunately. Would have saved me a ton of time. <laughs> But then probably uh, about two plus years later than that, someone put a Bible in my hand. And I began reading the book of John. And I knew I found what my heart was longing for all these years. And I entered into a relationship with the one who made me, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know something. Jesus is greater than anything you've ever imagined. No one could ever even come close to thrilling you like he does. No one could ever come close to intoxicating you. There's no drug. There's no plant. There's no substance. There's no drink that can even touch the ecstasy of intimacy with the one who made you. And once you taste that, you'll never want another drug again. And that's one of the problems with addicts is they haven't tasted of the presence of God. And it's when you experience his presence, freedom comes. And you realize how lame is crack. How lame is coke. Marijuana, are you kidding me? That's a poison and a tar and a contaminant to your body and your mind. And you don't, tobacco, come on. Alcohol, are you kidding? There's nothing like his presence. So I want you to know, since the age of 17, didn't come to know Christ till right before my 20th birthday, I've been on a mission to know him more. Now, once I began reading the scriptures, it changed everything. And let me say this to you. Jesus doesn't ask for much, just everything. What does he want? Everything you've got. Everything you are, everything you have, and everything you hope to be. He wants it all. And he's worthy of it. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 16.9. Can we put that up there? I don't think I still have it, but in my old black hard copy notebook, this is one of the first scriptures that I wrote. My heart leaped when I read it. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is completely his. See, that thrilled me. I found my answer. If I want to know him, I've got to give him my whole heart. There are many in the body of Christ who haven't done this yet. They're going to heaven, but their heart really isn't his. It's 48% his. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is fully committed to him. That's the NIV. 
in Luke chapter 14, our Lord, the Messiah, is talking. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, I want you to see these words. This is how our Lord talks. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Do you see any options there? That's one thing that thrilled me about Jesus. There were no options. Love that 19-year-old man reading this Jesus and seeing, wait a minute, he's perfect in all his ways. When he speaks, he's absolute, he's superlative. There are no options. Just believing or not believing, those are your two options in all of the things of God. Do you believe or don't you? So if I don't hate my father, my mother, my wife, my children, my brothers, my sisters, even my own life, I cannot be his disciple. So that's what I'm going to do. Now what is he talking about? He's talking about commitment, isn't he? Right? In other words, compare, there, no one in my life compares to him. Right? Of course I love my wife, my children. Right? We love other people. He's talking about this singular devotion to him that no one will hinder my pursuit of him. Right? Let's keep reading. I love reading Jesus. I don't know of anything more profitable than reading what he said and believing it and acting on it. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What happens on a cross? You're crucified. It's pleasant, isn't it? It is when you realize how good he is. Absolutely. Give me the nails. Let's go. Come on. I want all that Jesus has for me. Nail me to that cross. I want him. No one's going to keep me from knowing him. I'm his disciple, right? For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's three times he told us. Unless you have this total commitment, you cannot be my disciple. So I, 30-some I, years ago, said, okay, I'm in. I'm all yours. I give you every dream, every desire, every hope. I give you everything people say I should be. I walked away from everything I ever knew. I had, per personally, I had to leave my biological family. It was a very godless, corrupt, dark atmosphere. There was, I had to get away from that to follow him. And he led me to know his son. Let's keep reading in the, in the book of Luke. Let's go back to chapter 9. 
I encourage you to look at these scriptures today. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Luke 14, 26 through 33. And I hope that you're grabbing the scriptures we go through every Sunday. I hope you're writing down the book, the chapter, and the reference numbers so that you can meditate in them during the week. That's how you fully participate in what we're doing here. Okay? These are to become your daily meditations. God is leading us as a family, as a body. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. There's nothing in this earth for you. You can live on Capri, one of the prettiest places I've ever been in the Mediterranean. You can, you can pick the prettiest place on earth, and it stinks compared to knowing him. This earth has nothing for you. The life you long for is found through intimacy with him. Are we okay? We're still awake? 59, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. The Lord spoke this to me. I was living in Europe at the time, and my grandfather, who I lived with as a child growing up for some time, had passed. And uh, I was in Europe, and I was traveling, and I wasn't sure that I could get back. I'm just being real with you. I wasn't sure that I could get back for the funeral. And I was spending time with the Lord uh, in, your, in, in my apartment there. And this is what he said to me. Follow me. Let the dead bury their dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. And I didn't return to the funeral. Come on. You've got to follow him. There's no one more important than Jesus in our lives. Your own family might get offended at you. That's their choice. If they'll choose Jesus, they won't get offended anymore. We've chosen Jesus, right? Come on, we're all in. We're all in. If you're looking for a halfway church, is ain't it. 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let but. Don't you love the buts? I love Jesus. He eliminates the butts, right? Let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you see the intense passion Christ has for you? It's the intense passion a husband has for a wife. No one is allowed to touch my wife. If anyone tries, I'll break his neck. Just being real with you. She's my wife. Brother Jim talked about the jealousy of God on Wednesday. I hope you caught that. He's so passionate about you. He's so passionate about defending you and seeing you healthy. And seeing you live the abundant life. You need to know this side of God, this passionate, jealous husband. 
And I don't mean, I don't mean paranoid. I'm not talking about something perverted. I'm talking about a protecting, loving guardian who won't let harm come to you. Still awake? Then in Mark chapter 10, 10, 10, 17, Mark chapter 10, 17, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and when Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running. He runs to him. He kneels before him, and he asks him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. So what's his focus on? He said, I, twice. He's in the presence of Jesus, and he's focused on himself. (laughs) Right? You see that? I I imagine when I see Jesus, I'll probably pass out for about 10,000 years. And then once I come to, I'll probably just start dancing for another 10,000. So he's in the presence of Jesus, and he's like, what about me? What shall I do? Right? that I may inherit eternal life. And in verse, let's see, let's go to verse 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Of course he did. He loves all of us, right? He said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Jesus knew by a, by a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit that this man was trusting in his wealth. Jesus knows what we're trusting in. And I guarantee you, if you haven't given everything to him, he's going to ask for that thing that you're trusting in. Guarantee it. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're trying to keep something over here back in the corner and follow Jesus at the same time, there's going to come a point he's going to say, that right over there, I want you to give that to me. He will. Just giving you a little advance notice. And then come, take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22, but he was sad. That's not Jesus. That's the person who just received an invitation from Christ. Face to face. Come on and follow me. He was sad about that. What does that tell you about his thinking? He doesn't believe God is good. He believes he has a better plan for his life. How about you? Have you given your all to Christ? Or do you believe you have a better plan? And you want Christ kind of involved, but you're going to be in the driver's seat and call on him when you think you need him. I gave the driver's seat to Jesus in my teen years, and I've never taken it back. Hallelujah. He was sad at this personal invitation from the Messiah. And he went away sorrowful. That is the opposite of what should have happened, right? For he had great possessions. In other words, he was trusting in what he had. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. In order to understand what God says, you've got to understand his heart. You've got to keep reading. And the disciples were astonished at his word because they were wealthy. They were prosperous. I know you don't hear that 
in a lot of churches, but it's true. They weren't ragtag people following Jesus. They were wealthy. They had family businesses. They did well. So when he said that, they're like, what, 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 what? what? If they didn't have money, they wouldn't have cared what he said. Right? Are you with me? Can we read the Bible honestly? Can we just read it and not try and make it say something it doesn't say? The disciples were astonished at his words. And Jesus answered again. He had to clarify. He wants us wealthy. Right? He became poor that we might be rich. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. He has no sorrow to it. He said, children, get me. Get, get me. <laughs> How hard it is for those who trust in riches. That's what he's talking about. To enter the kingdom of God. That's true of anything. How hard it is for someone who, someone who trusts in anything else other than Jesus to enter into, to experience the kingdom of God. Verse 28, we're just going to move along here. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. And they did. They dropped their family business and began to follow him. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, that's property, possessions, for my sake, for my sake, to know me, to obey me, to follow me, and the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold, one hundred times as much as they currently have. Now in this time, this life, now, does he not say that now? Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. A lot of that will come from the religious folks. And in the age to come, eternal life. So I want to tell you the family I have in Christ is infinitely better than the biological family I have. Infinitely better. No comparison. Because we have a true bond that's not based on Biology, it's based on the blood of Christ. So that rich young ruler would have become would have become one hundred times, one hundred times as wealthy as he was before he followed Christ. According to Jesus. Did I make that up? We just read in the words of Christ. According to Jesus, that man walked away from the greatest fortune he had ever known. Pays to follow Jesus. Might as well throw that in there because it's true. Right? Now, Hebrews chapter 11, we're talking about commitment. We share with you the highway vision. We're talking about commitment. This is, what we're, this is where we live. This is how we operate. This is how we make decisions. It's all based on this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Boy, can I relate to this. You see, I, I, when I started talking to God at 17, he, he said, don't go to the West Coast. And he began leading me to Northwest Ohio. Huh? up near Indiana and Michigan, to a town called Bowling Green. 
I thought, what do they do in Bowling Green? Maybe they bowl. I don't know. But I ended up meeting a man there who knew Jesus and gave me my first Bible. He led me there for a number of reasons. I met Jesus there. I met my wife to be there. And I began to hear the gospel there. But I did not know where I was going. I knew I had to leave the godless atmosphere I was in. And I just left. And I went and I followed him. And he would give me steps to take. I'd take that step. I'd take the next step. And I didn't know where any of the next steps were. I'm telling you, Hebrews 11.8 is very real to me. I would just talk to God and what he would say to me. And I wouldn't be sporadic or foolish. I would spend hours with him. Just being Because I wanted him more than my next breath. I'm like that today. That's not going to change. It's just increasing. And I would spend time alone with him, discerning what he was saying to me. So these weren't quick things like, okay, go over here. Okay, what next, Lord? Okay, go over here. There were weeks and months and years preceding decisions. Kenneth E. Hagan, I've heard him say this, and if you don't know him, you need to. He's in heaven now, but your life will be changed through the revelation he brought into the earth. But he, he was often criticized by his staff and ministry, had an international worldwide ministry, for moving too slow. And he said to them, I'd rather be behind God and have to catch up than get ahead of God and have to clean up. That's some good life wisdom right there. So I want to know what he's saying. And the, Satan wants you to just go, act, do it quickly, hurry up. But those who trust in him will not be in a hurry. There are things that God spoke to me in 1985 that are still unfolding. You do the math. That's a few years ago. We're not in a hurry. Heaven's our home. The best use of our time is obeying him in the earth. Right? So he began to lead me these different places. Let's see, I want to get ahead of myself here. So this is our, this is our base of operation at Highway Church is this passion for him. And our plan is to know him more. So I want you to know, I and my wife, she's the co-pastor. We pastor together. We fully expect you to, to fully participate and to steadily grow in Christ. We fully expect that of each of you. We expect you to have this very commitment that we just read. We, that's expected. You cannot be his disciple if you don't make this commitment. We read it from Jesus himself, right? We fully expect that of every person connected with this ministry. Just so you understand that. All right? Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 16, and 17. Stay awake with me. How are we doing? Good? Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. Again, very important verses to me. This is the Apostle Paul, who wasn't one of the original 12, but who ended up being one of the most important men that ever walked on the planet because he brought to the world the revelation of the finished work of Christ and the grace of God. He said, For though I preach the gospel, 
I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Verse 17. But if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What does that mean? God will ask things of you. And your response will reveal where your heart is. It has not been my agenda ever to preach the gospel. Still is not today. It was not my agenda to be a pastor or be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Yet I've been in walking and growing in that in the last 20 plus years. There is a deeper reality for you that is beyond your desires that you currently know. And it is a complete yes to him. I had, I could not not do what I'm doing because of the burning inside. And I realized God was asking something of me that the world had no idea that man apart from Christ wouldn't understand, that my biological family wouldn't understand, but I had to tell people about him, who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. A dispensation has been entrusted to me to build people up in the reality of who Christ is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. If you haven't noticed, we're living in the end times. If you allow yourself, you're going to drift back to just floating along pre-COVID. It's time to be fully engaged with the Holy Spirit. He has brought this church about. He has provided this opportunity for you to grow in Him. This is your church. Those of you who are connected with us online, this is, there's no coincidence whatsoever in the times we've had together. Some of you are in the Northeast, some of you in different parts of the country and around the world, but we want you to fully participate, to fully engage with the ministry of highway that God has brought into your life. This is a significant part of God's provision for your life. Just being real with you. Because I don't have uh, any personal desire to make this thing happen. That might sound crazy, but I don't. I'd be perfectly happily just moving up on a mountain somewhere in a log cabin with my purple guitar. You'd never see me again. <laughs> Give me some beef jerky and some root beer, and I'm good. And some of my jazz records, and I'll see you later. See, when, when you're, you've given yourself fully to him, you can assess things differently. There's no personal ambition getting in the way. When personal ambition is a part of what you're doing, things can get cloudy. So we must be spiritually minded. There's no time to be selfish in these last days. What about me? 
in my lifetime, and I don't believe really ever in America such widespread confusion has been seen in these last 16 months. It was a strategy of the enemy. And I know there, there are people being used by the enemy. The people are not our enemy. But people are under the influence of darkness oftentimes. It can happen to, to us as believers if we're not zeroed in on Jesus. It happened to Peter, right, standing right in front of Jesus. He said, Satan, get behind me. Your mind's not on the things of man, God, it's on the things of men, right? So we've got to keep our minds stayed on him or we can be influenced. And the whole plan, this whole strategy went back years before we ever heard of COVID. But there were uh, spirits of darkness working out this plan for years and they found men and women who were willing to yield to it, who were in positions of authority, leading government organizations to go with it and to, to give in to corruption. There's a, and I'd love to take just time and go into the details of that and to push vaccines, which do not keep you from getting COVID at all. If they work, the best they could do is maybe lessen the symptoms. From what I've read, at least one or two of the, the four vaccines used aborted tissues from babies. There was such, you understand, if, if you get a contract for the government of a nation to push your vaccine, you're talking about trillions of dollars. You're talking about major profit. You understand that, Right? So if you've got a patent on a vaccine and you're ahead of an organization that's pushing that vaccine, that's a conflict of interest. Are you following me? That's a major conflict of interest. Some major corruption going on here. In the midst of that, there was a scheme to divide Americans using the race idea. To get us to hate one another, to think evil of one another based on the color of our skin had nothing to do with, with what's really going on in America. It was a strategy to bring chaos, to, bring, uh, to divide, to bring confusion, so that other policies could come behind that. You understand, and I'm not putting people down, but there are people in government who are very corrupt, who look really handsome and pretty, and have nice clothes, and, and speak very professionally. There are people who are very successful in the world's eyes, who have many degrees and successful businesses who are very corrupt. And behind closed doors, they have strategies to make personal profit, and they don't care how you're affected by that. They don't care who dies in the process. It's a hard thing to accept, but it's true anyway. Man is corrupt apart from Christ. Evil. Just being real with you. I'm not down on the human race. God loves all people. I love all people. But apart from Christ, the heart of man is a mess. It's a mess. How do I know? I've been there. I've done that. I was apart from Christ. My, I was a mess. I was a, 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 a disaster waiting to happen. So we're living in these last days, and I don't know what they're going to do next. Who know? I don't know, but I really... Don't much care. I'm going to keep following Christ, right? If you were listening with spiritual ears, you would have risen above the noise of all this COVID and had an amazing year. If you weren't, you would have been afraid 
with your diaper on your face, walking around wondering what's next, right? It's time to rise up. Hallelujah. You see, the principles of God's word are timeless. But if we're going to follow God, we're going to have to change our methods. In other words, how we do church is going to change. It's changed since Acts. So I want you to hear this. Principles, truths are timeless, but methods are not. All right? Historically, please listen to me, and I want you to hear everything today. Historically speaking, the church has been resistant to change. Resistant to adapt to methods that would expand the kingdom of God. What the church does something a certain way for 10 years and they become legalistic with it. Everyone's got to do it the way we do it. What does that do? It, it shuts God out. That's what legalism does. Now, I've read, and, and I haven't checked the sources, but that when Thomas, I believe it was Thomas Edison who, who came up with the moving picture, is that right? Uh, but when he, I, as I read, that he presented it to the church, what we call motion picture and film, the concept, and they thought it was of the devil and, and, and didn't, didn't accept that idea. The church has been very legalistic, historically speaking, very resistant to the Holy Spirit. You can just read through the Gospels and read through the New Testament and epistles, you'll see that. Very resistant to the new things the Holy Spirit wants to do in the earth. Okay? I don't want to be like that. I want to follow him. I want to change. He's perfect. He's unchanging. We're constantly changing. Right? Uh, music, and I, I was a professional musician before I came into the ministry. I was, I was playing in clubs as a, as a 15, 16-year-old. I would be out in a club playing with guys twice my age on a school night, get home about 4 in the morning, 4.30, just enough time to get ready and catch the bus and fall asleep in school. And, uh, but I came into, into, into the church, I thought, and I heard the music I heard, I thought, this is lame. They can hardly play their instruments. The notes are, I mean, who writes this stuff? I'm just being real with you. Now, back in the day, have you heard of Johann Sebastian Bach? One of the greatest uh, musicians of all time. Um, uh, just a, a maestro on the, the keyboard and a tremendous composer. But he was a believer and he wrote for Christ. And do you realize in his day... The church says there are certain intervals you cannot use. I'll, I'll play one. Is your keyboard still on, Eden? So the church, in their legalistic mindset, can you give me some keyboard back there? I think I'm on. Or, oh, Judah's not back there. Can you guys hear that? Okay. All right. So there are, there are intervals. Right, we have. So you call you have first, you have seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths, sixths, and sevenths. Right. So they said you can play this interval, but you can't play that interval. It's of the devil. 
It's called a tritone, a diminished fifth. You're not allowed to write any music with that interval because it's of the devil. Okay? So let me play. Does that sound like it's of the devil? Well, that uses a tritone. There's a beautiful interval that creates a wonderful color in music. But that's, there, I can go on and on. There are many stars in the music world that were kicked out of church. They wanted to do music in the kingdom, but their church told them you can't do that here. And then music became electric. That was another of the devil, right? There are religious sects that say we should not use electricity. It's of the devil. So the church is notorious for saying the next thing is of the devil. Music, electricity, film, video, internet, all of these things are simply tools. What makes something good or evil is the user of it and the heart behind it, right? How you use these things is what makes it holy, right? Hallelujah. So back in the day, I don't even remember when it was, maybe the early 2000s, churches began streaming or videoing their services in multiple locations. And oh boy, was that of the devil. You can't have a video screen in church. And it, took, it took a long time, decades, to get away from the, what do you call those, overhead projectors. You know, you put this piece of plastic on there. I mean, that was of God, but anything beyond that, no. You know. Oh, no, you're putting video screens up in your churches. The whole world's gone to pot, right? This, I'm just being real with you. This is really happens in the body of Christ. You get this narrow thinking that's ungodly. So churches starting where they had one location, they said, we're going to have another location miles from here, and we're going to film what's going on here, and we're going to play it there, and people will come there and participate in worship through video. And I'm telling you the slack that they took for that, the criticism, how evil they were. And it's being done all throughout the United States and around the world now very successfully, and millions of people's lives have been changed, including mine. Okay? Now, hallelujah. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.